Welcome to the Shock Your Potential podcast with your host, Michael Sherlock. We all have potential, but sometimes we need inspiration to get us to our peak performance. Whether you are starting out in your career, ready to move up the corporate ladder, or taking the leap into entrepreneurship, Michael's guests provide powerful tools and resources to shock your potential. Shock Your Potential is a global professional development training company committed to your unique journey. Learn more about us today at shockyourpotential.com and download our free Shock Your Potential app today. Listen in to today's expert. Thank you for joining us again on another episode of Shock Your Potential. I am, of course, your host, Michael Sherlock, and our series for the month of June is Pack Your Bags because I am so ready to start dreaming again about where I want to travel in this world. And as you all know, I love to travel. So our guest today, we have a husband and wife duo, and uh, they're going to talk to us about a lot of different elements, not just about travel and where to go, but really how to have a more deep and meaningful experience when you travel and any way that you travel. So this is going to be great. So Judith Fine and her husband, Paul Ross, they know how to live to leave. And uh, Judith alone has contributed to 110 international publications, blogs about transformative travel for psychology today, writes a New Mexico travel column and blogs for Santa Fe Magazine. Yeah, and get this, she's also got a couple other things under her belt. She's a senior travel correspondent for San, Di San Diego Jewish Journal. She gave a TEDx talk about deep travel and is widely interviewed in all media as a travel expert. And sometimes, you know, she enjoys that. And sometimes she, you know, you know she, she wants to do more interviews like this. <laughs> She's also authored three narrative nonfiction travel books called Life is a Trip, The Transformative Magic of Travel, which I can't wait to hear about. The Spoon from Minkovitz, I hope I pronounced that right, A Bittersweet Roots Trip to Ancestral Lands and How to Communicate with the Dead and How Cultures Do It Around the World. And so joining me today from Santa Fe is Judith and Paul. Thank you guys so much for joining me. Hey, Michael, it's good to be here. And Yay. Paul is an award-winning travel photojournalist. Yes. So he loves to tell people how to completely change the way they're taking photos. And I really want to talk about that because one of the first things I was going to say, and I'm going to let you guys talk a little more first, but I just got to get this out here. When I first took a look at your website and I went to the photos page, just the way, Paul, you capture people, their, their true spirit, like the honesty of who that person is, it's stunning just to look at them. There was Thank one you. man I couldn't take my eyes off of just because it's like, oh, I feel like I could, I'm just right here in the room. So you are an incredible talent without a doubt. Thank you. Thank you. So I, try to do, I try to do in photography what Judy does in her writing, which is it's not about us. Yeah. It, it's you, the reader in a participatory situation and makes you want to go out and experience the world more. Yeah. And, and you're also right too, that in some sense, it's not about the traveler. It really needs to be about where you're going, what you're experiencing, who you're meeting, the world that you're seeing. You know, it's interesting because in the United States, it's standard fare. When you're going anywhere, you go to TripAdvisor, you get guidebooks. And we're talking about something very different from that. I always, when, when I was a kid, you know, everybody, I want to be an actress when I grow up. I want to be a model. I want to be a teacher, whatever they wanted to be. I wanted to be Marco Polo. 
Oh. And Marco Polo traveled the world and yes. experienced things and wrote it. Marco Polo didn't have TripAdvisor. Marco right. Polo didn't have guidebooks. He went and the world opened to him. And that's what we love, that it's not taking other people's opinions about where you need to go and what you need to see. But you get on the ground with your feet, with your heart open, your eyes open, your ears open, and you're going to have a very different experience. I and it's always exploring because for you, it's the first time. Yeah, it's true. And I was just, I know, I think I've already told uh, people on during this series for the month, but one of those moments that I had where I really realized I was, you know, I was in a magical place. It was an amazing experience, but I was in Peru. We were outside. Uh, we hadn't gone to Machu Picchu yet. And we're on this, you know, other archeological site, but this town, you know, still lives around this site. And there's, you know, there's a, there's a, um, a, a little church and then there's a cemetery and all this stuff is going on. And as we were walking through, there are all these piles of potatoes. And I'm like, what are the piles of potatoes? And we did have a guide with us who we love and are still friends with. And I'm like, what is up with the potatoes? And some were whole and some were smashed and I couldn't figure it out. And he said, this is how they freeze dry their potatoes oh. because of the altitude of this hill that they can bring it out. And three days later, all their potatoes are freeze dried. And I went, oh my God. <laughs> and so as I'm doing this, this little girl rides by on her bike and playing with her brothers or something. And they're all running around and she's the cutest little girl. She's missing her front two teeth. She's riding this bike and her shoes are on the wrong feet. And it's just this vision, you know, of standing on that hill overlooking, you know, the, the these mountains, incredible view, piles of potatoes and a little girl that could be anywhere from any place with the two front teeth missing and her shoes on the wrong feet. And I'm like, I'm in heaven. <laughs> but you know, it's interesting. Here you are going to one of the sites that everybody wants to go to, Machu Picchu, but you're not talking about the ruins of Machu Picchu. You're talking about a girl whose shoes don't match and a pile of potatoes. You know what? You're Mrs. Marco Polo. This is good. <laughs> this is really good. Some years ago, Judy spoke for uh, a convention of professional travel people. These are people who make careers of it, organize trips for alumni associations for Harvard, Yale, Three Sisters, mm -hmm. Seven Sisters, whatever, all these big schools and, and institutions. And she said in a workshop, please tell me about some of your memorable experiences. And it wasn't on a camel going through the Gobi. It wasn't Taj Mahal by moonlight. It was mm -hmm. The truck broke, the van we were in broke down, and a couple kids came out to help us change a tire. Yeah. It's those human heart-to-heart -heart experiences that people carry with them their whole lives. Yeah, but I did cry when I was watching the sun come up over the saddleback at Machu Picchu. Oh, yes, that. of course. <laughs> that was pretty freaking That's awesome. personal. Again, that's a personal reaction. Exactly. So now you wanted to be at Marco Polo, Judith, when, when you were younger. So, you know, what got you guys, you know, I don't even know how you guys, you know, came to be this duo that you are, but you know, what got you into this and travel writing and, and having this, this desire to write about it, to make it come to life, to get people to be more experiential with it and then pull the, the, the photos and the visual into it. What, what brought you guys here? Well, I was a Hollywood screenwriter for 13 years and I worked for all the studios and I was miserable because I loved writing. I loved the medium, but it, it, it didn't, uh, it sucked my guts out. How else can I say it? It was like a vacuum cleaner pulling your soul out. 
I couldn't do it. And it's not about art. It's not about human. It's about business. It's a business. It's a bottom line business, but it's not a business that is geared toward humanistic values. You know, from all the people being busted right now. Well, that, that was what I experienced. And I just said, I, I, I can't do this anymore. I just, I, I can't do this anymore. So I checked into a monastery in Arizona and I went up to the mother superior and I said, can I do a silent retreat here for a week? Said, well, dear, we don't usually do that, but well, dear, if you want to do it, you can do it, we'll allow you. I said, well, thank you, mother superior. So for one week, I didn't speak. I managed to get into a food fight with a nun because I wouldn't, I was taking the food outside to be alone and you weren't allowed to. And she pulls my tray and I pulled it back. I had a food fight with a nun. Then I was driving on a deserted road. I got arrested by a cop and with a bullet, get out of your car. I got out of my car. What's your name? I wouldn't speak. I couldn't speak to him. So I got arrested on a road because, and finally, I wrote in the dust in the we were in Arizona, right? I wrote in the dust in the windshield of the car, vow of silence. But my handwriting is so terrible. He kept saying, "What's a vom of silence? Are you vomiting? Are you?" All right, long story short, <laughs> you know, you find yourself wherever you are. So we came home from this trip, and it was so crazy to do a week of silence, right? And we come home. And my younger sister called and she said, there's a new show on National Public Radio and it's about travel. Why don't you send in a piece? And we had a little recording studio in the house and I said, because you can't, how am I going to get on this? She said, do it. So I went down into our little studio and I recorded what happened during my silent retreat. And four days later, I got a telephone call and they said, we want you to be a regular on the show. Okay. So then after doing that, I said, well, if I'm talking to a national audience, I'm a writer. Why can't I write? And that's, I backed into it. I didn't even know that you could do this for a living. I, I, I had no idea that travel journalism existed. Nothing. I knew that I was having food fights with nuns and getting arrested on dark road. Oh my gosh. <laughs> okay. First of all, I wanted to say, did you start singing, you know, or did, or are they going to say, what would what is something about a problem about Judith <laughs> instead of a problem of Maria? I'm not singing it well today, but <laughs> I was like, <laughs> oh, how do you solve? How do you well, solve a problem? Like actually, for, for both of us, for photography <laughs> and writing, um, and we've always done this as a way to not to only to share our experiences and our thoughts, but for us to understand the world we're in. Yeah. And, you know, and it kind of leads, you know, so obviously my company is called Shock Your Potential. So my my um, premise of everything, like we talked about before we start recording, is that we all have potential in us, but sometimes we need that little jolt, you know, that give us a little kick. And I'm a real firm believer that travel really can propel us farther personally, professionally, emotionally, spiritually, you know, when you, um, when you are, you know, in those moments uh, yourself or you're encouraging other people to travel or you're talking about it, how do you see travel as something that helps people to shock their potential? Because when you travel, if you travel with your whole self, other than trying to something, I've got to get this room in that hotel, I must eat it, you know, I must eat at that restaurant. Like assignments. That, like you're on assignment, right. right. When you do this, the first thing is that you become really curious about other people. When you become curious, like a child isn't afraid to ask questions, sky blue, 
Why are you wearing that on your face? You know, why is this? Because you go back to that, the child in you. Start asking people, may I ask you why you are wearing an embroidered shirt with those symbols on it? May I ask you why you don't eat until 10 o'clock at night? May I ask you, once you do that, you are opening up your creative, your potential for creative involvement with the world. You're no longer depending on what other people tell you is important. Mm -hmm. And you start, <clears throat> excuse me, and you start opening yourself up to really having authentic exchanges with people. You know, all of us in one way or another are in sales. We're selling something. If you're an author, you're selling books. No matter what you're doing, you're selling. And sometimes you go into the zone of inauthenticity because you got to, you, you know, you're making a sale. So there's a functional reason that you're talking to people. If you're really willing to change the way you live, to expand, you're not talking to a potential anything. You're inviting another person into your world and you're asking for an invitation into the other people's world. Your life changes. You become whole. So that. And as for the fear that sometimes goes along with it, will I make a mistake? Sure, you're bound to make a mistake, but the fact that you're interested in someone else personally and their culture opens up all kinds of doors and possibilities. People will share. Yeah, I agree so much. And I, we are very much kindred spirits because I'm always talking about everyone is in sales. And whenever somebody says, I'm not in sales, I hate sales. And I'm like, uh, I hate to break it to you. We all are. If you ever had to convince your sick child to take medicine they didn't want, guess what? You're in sales. <laughs> You're pharmaceuticals, right? Exactly. But you know, there's a way that you can get started right now. Yes. And it has nothing to do with actually physically traveling. So something breaks in your house. All mm -hmm. of a sudden, the phone isn't working. The internet is down. Oh, whatever. does that ever happen? No, it never happens to us. <laughs> okay. So you make a service call. And that person answers the phone, and very likely that person's going to have an accent because we outsource so much of that kind of work in the United States. So mm -hmm. somebody gets on the phone and, you know, I am very happy to help you, and, you know, whatever that accent is. If you stop for one minute, rather than needing, I need my problem solved, I need that person to solve my problem, and you say, oh, you have such a wonderful accent, where are you from? And the person will say, the Philippines. And you say, oh, I've never been to the Philippines. Can you tell me something interesting about your culture? Yeah. All of a sudden, you are talking to a human. They will help you in ways you can't imagine, but that's not why you're doing it. You're really right. curious. Tell me something about the Philippines. And the person who's helping you, do you think it's fun to answer the phone all day long and people oh, are gosh, screaming no. at you and frustrated? So it gives you, it opens up the heart of the person you're talking to and you have an exchange with another human. So your blood pressure isn't going up. You're not getting into this need, need, need state, but you know that person is there to help you solve a problem, but you're interested in that person. It completely changes the dynamic. You're traveling through a service call. It's a mutuality. Yeah. Yes. Uh, that's a beautiful way to put that. I, th I think that is just absolutely excellent. And it's also, you know, I mean, that just is another way of understanding that communication of any kind should never have to be a win or lose. It should always be a mutual win, or, you know, where somebody's going to give a little and somebody's going to get a little, you know, but we should have that balance between it. When you start out actually connecting as human to human, 
we have such easier communication without strife and we can overcome strife easier because then we're more aligned. Also, it's very much a part of older cultures and older civilizations. When you go, for instance, to a souk, a native marketplace in the Middle East, uh, the deals don't start right away with how much and then and then. They invite you in to have a cup of tea. They ask about certain things. You're exchanging things. Once that's happening, then we ease into it and the bargaining begins. And it's hard bargaining too, but yeah. it's done with a smile and everybody knows it's a game. <laughs> And that's true. And, and it's so important, you know, when you are dealing with anybody of any different culture to understand what is part of their protocol. Um, the entire team that works for me uh, is based in Kenya. In fact, we actually um, match lots of people in Kenya with companies all over the world. And one of the things that I, um, you know, realized a few months in is that, you know, especially when I first started with my first two people is that, um, you know, I was like, go, go, go. I mean, I had just come out of corporate America. I was used to going fast. And I realized one day, like, I'm not stopping to say, how are you? How's your day? And as I really started to learn more about the Kenyan culture in particular, I realized how important that is just to start out with Niaji, how are you doing? You know, what's going on with you today? And my team is trying to teach me Swahili, which is hilarious. They think it's absolutely funny. Um, but in the process, I'm- Oh, you blend in over there. <laughs> I know. <laughs> That's right. They're trying to teach me the words that are somebody who's always been there. I'm like, yeah, I'm going to blend right in when I get there finally. <laughs> but it is, it's so important to understand, you know, what the cultural, um, uh, interactions are so that we try to accommodate, not always expecting that people will accommodate to us. And that's true whether it's a country culture or a corporate culture. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, there's a <clears throat> there's another way that people can start to have a more meaningful experience. Again, in our culture, it's very deracinated. People don't know what their roots are. So if you say to someone, where do your people come from? And they'll say Philadelphia. But where did they come from before Philadelphia? Mm -hmm. I don't know, maybe Africa or Europe. Well, do you know where? No, they're from Europe or they're from Africa. Well, Africa is a continent. <laughs> you know, they're a lot, they don't know. Europe, they don't know. And what I really, I wrote a book about it. I think it's so important. Where do you come from? Mm -hmm. Who came before you? Mm -hmm. And what were they like? And where did they come from before that? Because you, everything you do, from the minute you make up, wake up in the morning, you're standing on the shoulders of people who came before you. Mm -hmm. If, for example, if you're living in the United States, who was it that first came to the United States from Africa or Europe or South mm -hmm. America? Who was that person? And what, what you have to do is you have to go to the oldest person in your family, or maybe that's you, but you have to ask tell me about how you grew up. What did you eat? Not the names and dates. What did you eat? Mm -hmm. What did you wear? What, where did you meet people to find romantic relationships? Mm -hmm. How did your mother and father get along? You know, what was it like? And what was your grandmother like? And what was your grandfather like? And what kind of foods did they like to eat? And what kind of games did they play? So that you start connecting to whose shoulders you're standing on, who you owe your life to. And then if you can plan alone with your significant other, with a friend, with your family, to go to the oldest place you can find and uh -huh. you walk the land, 
that your ancestors walked and you, you breathe the air that they breathe, the foods, you eat the food that they, that they ate and suddenly you're connected to something larger than yourself. You don't just say, I'm Irish American, I'm African American. Where You know, you can visualize you're connected to something larger than yourself. It's always about that. All fear, all reticence, it comes from feeling disconnected you know, from the other chunks in this stew we're all swimming in, that we're all in. And when you start connecting, everything in your life opens up. Your work yes. life, your romantic life, everything about your life. It's interesting. And we're going to have to take a quick break here in just a second. But um, I was adopted. And I'm the only one of my siblings that was adopted. And so I was raised Irish Catholic. I use the quotation marks because I was like, I was raised to believe I was Irish. So finally, I decided I wanted to find out um, actually where my bloodlines were from. And what I found out is I have virtually no Irish, which is very disappointing to my entire family. But I found out that I'm um, like 40 some percent Swedish, uh, like 30 percent Lithuanian, throw in some Italian and some German. And I'm like, didn't see that coming. <laughs> Wait a minute. So there's a Viking in you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you have Viking blood. I do. How did that impact you to find that out? It was really, um, it was really exciting. I wish I would have known before I went to Sweden the first time. And I haven't been to Lithuania, but um, I have a very, we have some very good friends and the husband is from Greece and we went to Rhodes where he's from two years ago and, you know, spent time in his place and we're planning to go to Lithuania. Um, and she tells everybody, you know, like, here's my friend, Michael, she's also Lithuanian. And I'm like, I don't ask me to speak it. I just, you know, <laughs> I, I like to, you know, drink the drinks and wear the amber jewelry, but that's all I got. Um, but it was really exciting to, to feel a connection uh, that I didn't really know. And so the next time I get the chance to go to Sweden, I know it will be a much different experience. Oh, yeah. Yes. And also it makes the reality of your family and your personal life all the more real because it's tossed off like a history lesson. Oh, uh, great grandma came here from Dusseldorf when she was uh, 13. Wait a minute. I'm an adult with a college degree. I'm traveling with a group and I'm still nervous about travel. She didn't speak the language. She was going to a country she didn't know by herself at age 13. How did she do that? Wow. That's a yeah, wow. No yeah, that should make us all stop and go, okay, maybe I have a little more to be thankful for. <laughs> well, we're going to, you guys, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to be here, here from our sponsor for the month and we will be right Solopreneurs and small businesses often struggle to create effective digital marketing programs. It's hard to know where to start, what to prioritize, how to sift through confusing information and solutions that seem too good to be true. Agencies and full-time marketing employees are also expensive. And Marketing You is a modern marketing course with all the tools, education, and accountability you need to grow your business without that extra set of hands or high overhead costs. At And Marketing You, you will learn exactly what you need to do to execute a concrete marketing strategy by dedicating just two to four hours per week. And Marketing You will help you to execute strategy, messaging, content marketing, SEO, social media, paid digital advertising, and more. You'll have access to on-demand resources, live courses, group coaching sessions, community forums, and networking, plus the exact templates and tools you need for success. I took this course myself, and one of the greatest benefits we gained 
was learning to develop a competitive strategy that aligned our social media playbook and website to generate highly qualified leads. For all the tools, education, and accountability you need to grow your small business at a fraction of the cost of hiring a traditional agency or additional employee, go to www.and-marketing.com forward slash you. Again, that's www.and-marketing.com forward slash you. And use the code SHOCK to receive 10% off of any program. And we are back with Judith Fine and Paul Ross, and we are talking about everything that has to do with the experience of travel. And I know that we're going to dive into uh, at least one place. I don't know if it's multiple places that you guys know that everyone should experience. So I'm asking everybody to share, you know, at least one place um, that that you know that would really spark something in my listeners and viewers. So tell me about where you suggest. I would suggest first you have to form the mentality. Of a, of a traveler. You have okay. to work on this. You have to want to connect. You have to be willing to ask questions and to listen, just mm-hmm. to listen. Well, I would recommend that you go to the Galapagos Islands oh, because yes. there you will have a different relationship with animals for the rest of your world, for the rest of your life in your world. There are no predators there. So the animals are not afraid of humans. So a blue-footed booby, a gorgeous bird, a blue-footed bird, is going to come walking up to you. You're swimming with sharks. You have seals lying in front of you. You watch their behavior, and they're not afraid of you. So you have an opportunity to communicate with animals in a very different way because you're not backing off, they're not backing off. What is it like to be in an environment that is peaceful and there aren't victims and victimizers? There aren't the eaters and the ETs, you know, what is that like? And it will open your heart. And then you speak to people who live there and that's a whole different story. And they're so meticulous about the ecology. You're usually on a boat when you go, although we did go and stay on land another time. When you're on a boat, you go out on an outing to an island. When you come back, you are complete. Someone is standing there with a hose. You are hosed down from head to toe so you don't bring one grain of volcanic sand or anything from one island to another. You're in a world where it's pure. Your whole nervous system relaxes and the animals aren't afraid of you. There are no predators. I remember my mom when I was little girls, that's where she wanted to go. She wanted to go to the Galapagos Islands and she'd never got there, but she's, I mean, she's almost 89. So if I tell her I'm going to go, she's going to say, I think maybe it's time for one last trip. <laughs> Life is a trip. You have to take her along. What do exactly. you think? I love it. Well, it's hard for me to say because visually I'm going through a whole catalog of images. And it goes from people, which I love photographing, people love seeing, uh, to places. And some are cityscapes and sometimes it's incredible mountains at different times of day and different times of year. But I think the important thing is to take a particular, as Judy said, a particular mentality with you because you never know what you're going to find. One of the questions we're always asked is, what's your favorite place? Mm. And I say, okay, uh, when I'm taking photos, I'm telling stories. When I'm writing stories, I'm doing pictures. I'm creating word pictures. So I say, compare these two things. You're on a place in the South Pacific there's no horizon. The sky and the sea are absolutely one blended horizon. 
and it goes for infinity. You're in a hut on stilts above the water. You look down, it looks like swimming jewels, all the colors of the fish and the coral. And compare that to <clears throat> a rainy night in Paris. What's better? Mm. Can't compare them. They're great. Yeah. They're both great. Yeah. It's about what you're looking for, what you want, and what you appreciate at that moment. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Oh, What's yours? See. What's your favorite place? <sighs> I mean, you're right. It's it's really it's it's hard. Um, it's hard to say. Um, gosh, because to me, like we were talking earlier, it's almost just all these individual memories. But you know, the ones that have moved me the most were were places that you know were steeped in some sort of tied to my, you know, history of, you know, what I learned in school or what I continued to study on. So, you know, my number one list bucket item list had been to be on the Acropolis in Greece, in Athens. And that day that I got there, I mean, I just was, I just cried. I just, I just cried tears of joy because I'd studied it. I believed it. I felt I walked it in a former life. And I, but you know what? No joke. I have seen people now, you know, we've been, we've been travel journalists, photojournalists for 21 years. I have seen people arrive in a country that they've never been to before and they start sobbing and they know the streets, they know where to go. And well, you know, I wrote a book called How to Communicate with the Dead, right. How Cultures Do It Around the World. You probably were there you, you, or you have ancestral, you have genetic links to there and there's no death. It just goes on and on. And it's fair when people, I no longer laugh when anybody talks about, you know, in another life. Yeah, you were some, the molecules that keep you together, the, your atomic structure, it was someplace else before you were born. And you can have memory of that. You can have genetic memory of that, like standing at the Acropolis and crying. Yeah, it was just, you know, in, in that whole time in Athens, I never felt scared or nervous. And I, you know, I didn't have a guide or anything. Um, but it was just, I felt like it just felt right. It felt, it felt like me, you know, and, and I, I mean, I think this is what's so wonderful about, you know, this series is that I'm getting people to share different places and their reasons why, which is wonderful. But what I'm really hoping to do is spark within every one of my listeners, this sense of, okay, but I've, so I've always wanted to go wherever, wherever it is. And I want them to say, what's keeping me back from it? Not just a mm -hmm. pandemic or maybe, you know, travel, but what has really kept me from going? Because if I really have always said, I always want to go there, then it's time to figure out how to go there. You don't want to have that regret at the end. Now, I yes. know we're actually, we're running out of time, but I know, Paul, you were going to share some photos with us too. Do you have some that you want to share with us? Okay. Yes. I have my favorite five tips for perfect photos. And <clears throat> there's a difference. There's a snapshot and then there's a photo. We know it when we see it. And these are the ways, <laughs> these are the ways to get the perfect photos or ones that really have meaning to you, evoke a place and you can share the experience. So one, get close, move in on it. The camera shouldn't be a barrier. It should be a reach through window. Okay. And that's what you want to do. Also, these days, everybody's got a phone camera, so that's no longer a barrier. That's what they use. They, they don't even notice you taking a picture. It's different if you pull up a big camera, people will still stiffen and pose, but with that, nah, it's relaxed. You can do that. The other thing is to capture context. If you have a close-up of something, where was it? Who was that person? So, in fact, you can use the movie techniques, the way it's a movie, whether you're doing stills or film or video, 
use the same techniques. Establishing shot, where are we? A little closer on the shop or the person than the souvenir you bought. How did it come to be? You've told a story and you've involved your audience and you have a memory for yourself that's so, so complete. And that's great. Third thing, what's your angle? Don't just snap it. Think about it. Sometimes getting low, especially a kid's eye view of the world at their level, kneel down, it's different. When you're looking up at a mountain, that's great. When you're looking down from a pyramid, that can be even better, or Machu Picchu. So mm -hmm. the angle, and you can shift and do this thing. But those are, that's, the, that's the third thing. Fourth, anticipate and wait. Find a good vantage point, but wait for that right shot. Uh, I've got a photo where I was right at the edge of a luchador in Mexico, the masked Mexican wrestlers. And I waited until there, were, there was a moment where they were right in my face and I was in theirs. And I knew that as performers, they were aware of somebody with a camera. Mm. <laughs> so I was going to get that. So uh, it's also the time of day. Sometimes you have to sacrifice comfort for quality. Stay up yeah. a little later, photograph after sunset, get up a little earlier, get dawn. It's great. And last, well, this is actually less a tip than one of my few rules. There is no later shoot it now it's not going to be the same at another time and you may get that one moment that nobody else has so those are my five tips for better photographs i love it well i know we're going to have all of your contact information on our show notes including all the links to your books judith but uh just in case somebody wants to look you guys up right now what's the best way for them to find you there are two domain names one is a little more difficult to remember it is global adventure dot us like united states and it's singular not adventures global adventure dot us and the other domain it's the same thing is live to leave l-i-v-e-t-o-l-e-a-v-e dot com and if you wish through our website you can sign up it's a personal list it's only people to whom we have spoken or people we've met once a month we send that's free of course we send out links to what we've written about over the past month so that you can see where are we going, what do we recommend, what are, you know, come with us. That's it. Just be along through signing up that way. That's what we can offer. And uh, thank you. It's really nice that you chose to speak to us about something meaningful, Michael. <laughs> and the other thing is, there's another site. <clears throat> you mentioned you like my photos of people. Most, most do. Uh, and I have a site just for that. It's paulross.photography, not .com, paulross.photography, nothing but faces of people from all over the world, all genders, all ages, all races, uh, at work and play. And uh, I think that's a travel, world travel, whirlwind world travel all in one place. Oh, wonderful. Well, before we go, do you guys have any last words of wisdom or pearls of advice for my listeners and viewers? Yes. How much are you willing to put up with to have a deeper, more meaningful travel and a deeper, more meaningful life? How much discomfort are you willing challenge. to bear? There's a challenge for you. And the higher the response rate, if you say 5%, well, good luck, <gasps> boring. But if you, if you get up, okay, 
I'll take 50% discomfort. Now you're starting to get interesting because change involves sacrificing everything you know and the way you've always done things. So what's your percentage? That would be my, I don't know that it's wisdom, but that would be my challenge. I love it. And my feeling is that just be open to all of it. Don't go with preconceptions. Be, well, you, be, if you have preconceptions, have, be ready for them to be broken. Yeah. And take advantage of what's there. Sometimes I've taken a picture and ah, somebody walked in just in the frame. Then when I get home, I see that that person's wearing a costume that I never would have gotten otherwise. Yeah. So there's serendipitous things that occur and be ready for those in your daily life. Yeah, I agree. I love it. You guys, thank you so much for being my guest today. I could talk to you guys for hours. It likewise. Oh my goodness. Thank you so much. And I can't wait to stay connected with you both. Deal. <laughs> yes. Thank you for joining us on another episode of the Shock Your Potential podcast. Learn more about us today at shockyourpotential.com, including details on Michael's two best-selling books. Tell me more how to ask the right questions and get the most out of your employees and sales mixology. Why the most potent sales and customer experiences follow a recipe for success. Make sure to check out our Shock Your Potential app on-demand professional training resources to help you excel in your career. And as always, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and like us today.